want to do something tonight in preparation of our encouraged conference. And I'll just tell you straight up, it's been in my heart that we could have a night of repentance tonight. And um, I want to read a few scriptures with you, and then I'll talk to you a little bit more about it. But if I could, I just want to ask you if you'd prepare your heart to maybe let the Lord make you a little bit uncomfortable and move you in a posture that you may not be real comfortable with, but it's a posture that you see throughout the Bible of men and women on their knees before God because He's the sovereign and He's worthy. Let me just ask you if you're able that tonight God could bring you to your knees and that we could just have a night of repentance in our hearts. And I think as we go through this, you'll understand um, where we're going and, and what I mean by it. So I want to start in First Kings chapter 3. And I want to read verse 3. Very interesting verse. It says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Does that strike you funny? He loved the Lord. He walked in the statutes of David. But he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Now we know that Solomon was an idol worshiper. We know that that's something he practiced in his life. If this were not written in the Bible, I believe we would probably have a hard time. If somebody just walked up here without any passages in the Bible to back them up and say... Solomon loved the Lord, but he worshiped and burned incense in the high places. You would protest. You would say, no way. There's no way that Solomon could love God and do that. But the Bible said he did. So let me say it to you this way. It is very possible that you do love God. And it's also very possible that you're involved in worship of other things that are not worthy of your attention. And I'm asking you to let the Lord search your heart about that. It could be social media. It could be the pursuit of money. It could be a person in your life. It could be a friend in your life that you're worshiping because they're not good for you and you can't let go of the relationship. Right now, the Holy Spirit's showing you the false gods that are trying to get your worship and your attention. And the Bible says in the same chapter, verse 14, God says, if you will walk in my ways 
and keep my statutes and my commandments as your father did walk, then I will lengthen your days. In chapter 8 of 1 Kings, the Bible records in verse 22, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you, but yet he would worship false gods. That is an amazing contradiction. There is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath who keeps covenant and mercy with your servants that walk before you with all their heart who is kept with your servant David my father that you promised him you spoke also with your mouth and has fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day therefore now Lord God of Israel keep with your servant David my father that you promised him saying there shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel so that your children take heed to their way that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me I want you to read chapter 9 verse 1 and it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire which he was pleased to do that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have hallowed this house, hallowed this house, which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if you will walk before me, as David your father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you and will keep my statutes and my judgments then I will establish the throne of your kingdom upon Israel forever as I promised to David your father saying there shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel but he tells him if you turn away then these commandments would bring consequences. Chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 6. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. So here's a man who acknowledges and has experiences with God and the Bible even proclaims that Solomon loved the Lord, but his heart was divided and his heart was not united and really serving God like David did. David was not a perfect man. David was not sinless. We understand that. And God's covenant with David was not because David had a life of absolute purity, but David had a pure heart towards God. There was no other God in David's life. And David lived before God when it says in his integrity, 
It's referring to David's faith. And David lived before God in his faith. His faith did not waver in who God was. But Solomon makes these kinds of confessions about, you know, he loved the Lord, but he worshiped and and burned incense in the high places. And Solomon would even say that there's not a God like you in heaven or in earth. There's not a God like you. You keep covenant, you're merciful, you're good, you're true, you're faithful, you can be depended upon. There's no other God that is like that. But he continued to be pulled after these other gods. And perhaps tonight, you're sitting here tonight and you do love the Lord. And you believe in God. And you would say as Solomon, there is no other God like you. There's not another God like you in heaven. There's not another God like you on earth. There's not a God like you who's been so good to be merciful to me. I should be dead. I deserve hell. But God, you've rescued me. You've been good to me and you've been kind to me and you've been merciful to me. And you've given me your son. And you know all of these things. And you know the blessings of God that come with that. Just like Solomon would know many of these things about God. But at the end, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And his heart did not go after God. And if your heart is divided and being pulled in various directions, there's no guarantee because God gives you the free will to choose. There's no guarantee as to how your heart is going to end up in the end. And so the Bible says we're to examine ourselves. David even prayed, search me, O God, and try me. Try my heart, try my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what I'm asking us to do tonight. Search me, O God. You see what's in me. Show me. And lead me in the way of everlasting life. David would go on and pray, Lord, unite my heart to fear you. To reverence you. If you are the only true God, why would I allow my heart to be divided in regards to worshiping anything else that would take me from you? But don't pat yourself on the back so quick as to excuse yourself and say, my worship is pure and my devotion to God is pure. Because you can worship ministry and you can worship study and you can worship learning. You can worship a lot of things and miss God by a mile. Things that are even in the name of God and you can miss God by a mile. But you can't worship Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and miss God. Because that's who he is. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us. Now, we believe fully and completely in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe completely in the new covenant that has been brought into this world through the coming of Jesus Christ. 
and that we have entered into a new covenant with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we're not under condemnation and we're not under the wrath of God. So of all the people in the world, we should be the ones who are the most excited to be able to present ourselves to God and our hearts to God and say, search me. And whatever you find, show me, because I know you're not going to condemn me. And I know you're not going to throw me out because of something that you find in me. For I'm already accepted through Jesus Christ. And I want to say this to you, that it is only grace and the new covenant that allows you to repent. There is no repentance anywhere else. The law is not going to allow you to repent. The law is not going to forgive you. The law is the law. And the soul that sins, it shall die. And under that, there is no mercy. There is no life. There is no freedom. So you have to come out of that law into the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Where now repentance is granted and when we come to God to repent then we find the mercy of God and the grace of God to help us because in this new covenant you get to repent you get to go to God and say to the Lord there are things in my life that are not pleasing to you and the moment you begin to confess that to the Lord, the Holy Spirit goes to work cleaning you, restoring you, healing you, forgiving you. And it's the most wonderful thing that you could have in your life. And so I want to refer, if, if you will, to a New Testament passage in 1 John chapter 1. And I don't want you to end up like Solomon. So it's, this is a good exercise for you to do regularly. Just go to God and ask the Lord to tell you what he sees. In 1 John 1, for the sake of time, I'm just going to begin in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so this is a passage of scripture that extends to you an incredible invitation. That if you will come to God and agree with him 
which is what confession is, I agree with you, then you will find God's mercy on your life. You will find God to be faithful and just. He has the legal right to do it, to cleanse you from all your sin. How wonderful. You can't clean yourself. You can't even stop sinning. But through the power of the life of Jesus Christ, you can. It is the life of the Lord, the grace of the Lord in you that gives you power over sin and over iniquity. But every one of us, in some way, whether small or maybe big, there are things we need to repent to the Lord. And I, I have it in my spirit that we could spend some time tonight doing that. Asking the Lord to search us and being honest with God about what he shows us. And don't blame it on somebody else. Own it. Tell the Lord, yes, you're right. And I know you're the only true God. Man, I have lived for things a lot more than I've lived for you. I've worshipped and divided my heart. And I agree with you that you're the God that deserves my worship. And God will begin to cleanse you. God does it. And God will forgive you. God does it. And God will restore you. God does it. Remember, you can't do that. But you come to God and he does. There's one more scripture I want to read to you. And this is found in 2 Corinthians 7. Because I want you to see the healing of repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7, he says in verse 9, because there is pain in it. Anytime somebody we love is not pleased with us, there's pain in it. There's not a disowning of us. But when our Father sees things in us that are not pleasing to Him, He doesn't disown us, but we're pained by knowing that has occurred in my life. And so Paul says in verse 8, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I, I don't repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle has made you sorry, though it were just a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Can you do that tonight? And it might take you a little bit past tonight. Maybe it'll happen in the middle of your sleep when you wake up and the Holy Spirit says, we're not finished with that. And you continue to allow that sorrow to drive you before God so that it works repentance. Being sorry is not repentance. It leads to it. Right? Do you see that? A lot of times we mistake, oh God, I'm so sorry. But it didn't lead us to repentance. And so 
He tells us this in in verse 10 or, or verse 9. I'm going to read verse 9 again. I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world works death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yes, what clearing of yourselves, what vehement indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge, and all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. And I just wanted to make a quick comment about that, that there is a there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance and that repentance is freedom it's not to be repented of there's a worldly sorrow that leads to death and somebody might wonder well what is that what's the difference you know because sorry is sorry it just means this it's not some mystical thing it just means this when you are sorry and you are devastated and you're upset because of something in your life that's not right What do you turn to to be free of that? And there are a lot of people, even in the church, they become very, very sorry for something that they've done. And maybe they turn to religion. And it's a religious sorrow. Or maybe they turn to drinking to deal with their guilt. Or maybe they turn to partying and just having people around me and I never want to be alone because I don't want to think about myself. I don't like who I am and so this sorrow has driven me to this or maybe I binge watch TV shows until I just pass out at night because I don't like to be with myself and this worldly sorrow seeking comfort in our sorrow from the things of the world, the things of man, it leads to death But godly sorrow, that's the kind of sorrow that understands there are things in my life that are not right. There are things in my life that are not pleasing to God. And I'm going to turn to God with them. Not the church, not the pastor. I'm going to turn to God. And I'm going to go to God and I'm going to express to God my sorrow about this in my life, that leads to repentance because you get the help of God. It's just that simple. It's not mystical. And so I ask you tonight, if the Holy Spirit begins to convict you, don't just get sorry about it and, oh, I feel so bad and I feel so condemned and, you know, no, run to God with it. Just run to God. Let that sorrow drive you to God. And you will find the healing power of your great Savior. You have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. You have nothing to fear by running to God. You have everything to fear by running away from Him. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I just want you to think about these questions. Don't limit yourself to these questions. Let it take you outside the box into maybe other areas of your life that 
I don't say here because maybe you're going to sit there and say, he didn't say mine. He didn't get to my thing. Maybe my thing's not that bad. And um, so I'm just saying whatever else that I don't say, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. As a matter of fact, why don't you just ask him right now to help you? Just ask him to draw alongside you really close to speak to you, give you the ability to hear his voice because he's tender and he's merciful and he's your helper. And just ask him, make me aware of the things you want to touch tonight in my life. Make me aware of that. And give me the faith to trust you and not be afraid of you, to run to you and not run away from you. And not to blame this on someone else, but to own it so that I can be healed from it. In Jesus' name, amen. First question is this. Are you fully going after the Lord? Are you fully going after the Lord? Solomon loved the Lord, but he went and burnt offered burnt offerings and incense in the high places. Are you fully going after the Lord? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Is that the kind of the foundation of everything that you do? You know, if I do this, if I, if I go there, if I hang out with them, does that cause me to seek first the kingdom of God? Or do I have to put the kingdom of God on the side? Do I have to put Jesus on the side? Do I have to nail Jesus on a cross so I can go somewhere he doesn't want me to go? You know what I'm talking about. Are you fully following after the Lord? In regards to that, have you allowed a little something in? Maybe you say, yes, I I really believe I'm fully going after the Lord. And these are just some questions. Are you social drinking? Not getting drunk. Just a little bit. Just with your friends. You know it's wrong. What is it that you hide? You know that's wrong. Are you watching questionable shows and movies? Are you watching things that takes the Lord's name in vain? Are you watching shows and movies that are full of cursing and sex and abuse and things like that? Is that getting into you? Are you hanging around the wrong people? The people in your life not edifying and faith building in your life. They're leading you more away. They're helping you compromise more than walk with God. Are you listening to the wrong music? Let me just state it that way. Are you listening to the wrong music? Are you spending too much time on social media? And you could even throw into that, you know, the games that 
we play through the internet and things like that? Are you dabbling with pornography? Maybe there's some of you here that are really into pornography. If you confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you. And I know you want that. I know you do. Are you satisfying your lusts? So the first one that had several questions to it is, are you going fully after the Lord? The second question is this. Have you and will you set boundaries in your life? This is all with the help of the Holy Spirit, the counsel of the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking you to go to some other Christian and say, I want to be just like you. Tell me your boundaries. You can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. So just take the hand of the Holy Spirit and go to Jesus and say, I want to be just like him. Will you help me? And the Holy Spirit will say yes. If you come and say, I want to be just like Caleb, the Holy Spirit will say no. I made Caleb, Caleb, and I'm making you, you. And I'll conform all of you to the image of Jesus. So I'm not talking about boundaries people are going to impose on your life. Because religious people love to do that. This is between you and God. Will you set these boundaries? Can you predetermine certain lines that you will not cross? Particular language in a movie or a show. Recently, I had a group of young people come to me. And they were hanging out together and they went to the movie and the movie that they went to see had the F word in it and took the name of God in vain multiple times and they sat through it but after they left the movie they were kind of like hey did you like it and they were just kind of like eh, it was all right and then one of them spoke up and said I was really uncomfortable. I was really uncomfortable. And then they all started saying, I was too. Man, I was too. Did you want to leave? I did. I wanted to leave, but I didn't think you all did. And they're just in there and they're talking after the movie. And they're talking about that. And they made a decision. They said, listen, from now on, if we're together and we're watching a movie or we're watching a show and any of us gets uncomfortable, let's just say it. And let's help each other. And if there's something going on in a show or a movie that, that we shouldn't be watching, then let's help each other to walk out if we're in a theater or turn it off if we're at home. Let's help each other do that. Isn't that great? So you can do that. And so you set these boundaries up in your life to just be able to do it. Um, are you consciously thinking about including Jesus in all you do? Would he be offended to participate with you in some of the things that you do? And I want to say that there are many, many compromises that go on in the house of God today among Christians. And there is a tremendous pressure to compromise. Even the strongest among us can compromise. And even the strongest among us can lead someone else into a compromise. None of us are perfect in that way. So we have to have a sound confession. Will you determine to not abandon Jesus 
though others do. Will you determine that Jesus Christ is my best friend, the one that I worship, and if he can't do it, I can't do it. And if you don't want him to come, I'm not going to go either. Right? You do that. So I'm going to say this to you. My only desire is that we could come before God, that we could bow down before God. You can do it in your chair. You can come up to this altar, and they're going to lead us in some stillness. They're going to lead us some instrumental and some worship. And would you come down and bow to God and ask him the question, am I fully going after you? Let him tell you. And then examine those things. Am I letting something in my life? And if you are, tell him. He's here to help you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to break you. He's not going to destroy you. He's not going to throw you away. He's not going to expose you in front of everybody. He's going to cover you and he's going to love you and he's going to heal you and he's going to forgive you. And he's going to give you power and he's going to give you strength. You may not be delivered. There might be a battle that ensues with it. But he's going to bring you to victory because you're already in it, even by admitting it and confessing it to God. And so would you just ask the Lord those things? Would you ask the Lord, what are the boundaries that need to be in my life because I keep getting myself into situations I'm not comfortable with? So what are the boundaries that I need to talk to him about it? And if there are some things that are going on in your life, if there's some behaviors that are going on in your life that are sinful, God knows they're sinful. You know they're sinful. So confess that to God. And if there's some things you're not doing in your life, you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not praying in your tongues, you're not tithing, you're not giving offerings. You're not really involved in the church work. You're doing more things out of the emotions and you got a chip on your shoulder towards God and towards the church because you work so hard. It's like, God, this is a wrong attitude in me. And repent of that. All right? Are you all ready? Will you do it with me? Because I just, I just want us to come before God so that he can clean us. And that we can access his prayer. We can through the blood of Jesus anytime, anywhere. But we just want his presence with us tonight and in this conference.